This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, our Father and our God, we do bless your name. We thank you for this privilege to once again worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we are grateful to be alive, to be in the land of the living. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for your precious promises. So Lord, we pray now that as I speak a word on your behalf, that you would give me words so that I will fearlessly make known the gospel. We pray for that person here today, this moment who does not know you in the free pardon of their sin. Lord, we pray that this might be the day of decision. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. For we ask all of this in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we do pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Good morning. What a joy, what a delight it is to be at Faith Fellowship Church. Amen. 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 And God be praised for your presence. And uh, I'm just hallelujah happy <laughs> to be anywhere and no better place to be than his house. I want to invite your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I would like to read in your hearing verses 9 through 18 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Beginning at verse 9 in 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is how it reads. Being diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Cretans for Galmatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Antiochus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware, beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. 
At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me, may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So ends the reading of God's word. Kara Lawson is the women's basketball coach at Duke University. Recently, she gave an inspirational message to them that I found quite interesting, if not captivating. Um, this is how she started the conversation. We all wait in life for things to get easier. Haven't you waited in life for something to get easier? Once I become a junior in college, it'll be easier. Once you finish preseason, it'll be easier. Once you get the house paid off, it'll be easier. Once you get the car paid off, it'll be easier. Once I finish my internship, it'll be easier. She said, the problem is that life never gets easier. She said, life is hard. And she said, here at this university, uh, on this basketball team, when it gets hard, it's going to get even harder because we're going to push you. You see, what we're trying to do is make you handle hard better. Because hard faces each and every one of us every single day. Life is hard. She said, ask your parents if it's easy raising a family. Ask your parents if it's easy putting you through school. Life, beloved, is incredibly hard. And what you want to become is a person who handles hard better. Each and every one of us. And as I listened to that, it occurred to me that some of us as Christians, as believers, sometimes believe that once you come to Christ, once you surrender your heart to him, that life is going to get easier. But I just stopped by to tell you that nothing could be farther from the truth. The moment you confess Christ, the enemy puts a, <laughs> that's right, a bullseye right on your back, and he's going to pursue you and hound you. Even Jesus said, uh, in this world, you shall have tribulation. 
He said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He even said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So even in your season of hardness, I'm going to be right with you every step of the way. See, y'all acting like that's not good news, but it's good news to me. I'm glad he's with me every step of the way, because if I were left to my own device, the enemy would have his way with me and swing me every which way but loose. But I'm so glad that my heavenly father knows that my feet are made of clay and he promised me that he would not leave me even when life gets hard. And it will, do I have any witnesses? See, y'all in the land of everything's okay, but, but for those of us who catch in some grief, and who know better, we say that if it had not been for the Lord on our side, I have no idea where I would be. Hallelujah. Paul is writing this letter to his son in the ministry. He's about to become a pastor. And he's sharing with him some holy and helpful hints that he can use as he takes on this pastoral role. I like it because Paul has now had about 30 years of ministry behind his back. There's not much he has not seen, witnessed, or heard. And he's trying to give this young man some insight so that he will be able to handle hard well. Because brother man was going to catch a whole lot of grief from the folk he was about to deal with. So he was trying to groom him, educate him, so that he would have some idea as to what he was walking into. So, so Paul really kind of gives his uh, uh, almost a biographical sketch. He, he, he shares the ups and downs of life, the hardships that he faced. He talks about how you have to fight the good fight. He talks about how he had to endure affliction. He talks about the problems and the struggles that he encountered. And he wanted young Timothy to understand, yes, it's going to be hard, but Christ will be with you. And somebody needs to be reminded of that today. You may be going through your hard, but I just want to let you know that Christ has promised you that he will be with you. And if God be for you, it's more than the whole world against you. Amen. So, so he's, he's letting him know that things are going to sometimes be tough. I love it the way he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that time, and not unto me only, but unto all of them who love his appearing. He's about to die. The footfall of death he can now hear. So he gives this kind of a thumbnail sketch of some of the relationships that he's had. He talked about folks who used to be with him, who are no longer with him. Folks that he thought would be there are nowhere to be found. He even says that my first offense, 
No one stood with me. Now you've got to remember that hanging out with Paul could be dangerous. And perhaps some people said, baby, you're too hot to hang with, so I'm not even going to go near you. Because if they come after you, that means I'm going to be in trouble too. So, so we don't know for sure, but, but he's saying, there were some folks I thought that would be with me that are not with me. And the first thing I want you to see is this. As you deal and handle hard, make sure that you stay connected to your trusted friends. You're saying, brother, where you get that from? I'll show you. It says in verse 11, only Luke is with me. Don't run by that too fast. Because he just listed a whole lot of folks, relationships, and people who he thought might would be with him, but were not with him. But listen, he says, only Luke is with me. You see, Luke was his traveling companion. Luke was his ministry partner. That meant whenever he had difficulty, which he caught a lot of, his partner Luke was right there beside him. Only Luke is with me. Let me ask you a question. Are you someone's Luke? I'm going to mess with you. Yeah. Yeah. Are you someone's Luke? Can someone count on you to be there when the world seems to be falling apart? Are you a Luke to someone? Ah. I'm so afraid that we have become so attached to our stuff and things and toys that relationships are taking a back seat. We almost expect more from our gadgets than we do a person. You don't believe me. Every 90 seconds we... He, only Luke is with me. And the question, beloved, is do you have any Lukes in your life? And are you a Luke to someone else? See, relationships cost. And we're so busy now. We got so much to do. Busy doing nothing. So much so that we don't have time to be a loop to anyone. Paul is saying, I thank God that Luke was there when I was catching all this stuff I was catching. When my world was falling apart, I could depend on Luke. Is there anyone who can depend on you to be there when they go through their season of difficulty? If not, you're too busy. Too busy. See, um, I'm convinced like you that relationships of value and of importance have got to be watered. Okay, um, my wife loves plants. And she, we got plants in this room and she just... She positions them, and the sun hits them, and she, she talks. To, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but 
She, she really does. And, and, then, um, I, and even though she puts the, positions them to make sure that the light hits them, that's only part of the success of these plants. You see, she's got to water them. And she's got to make sure that she puts just the amount because if you put too much, you can do more harm than good. But, but the secret is not just the sunlight, but she's got to water it. You've got to water some relationships in order for them to remain close, productive, dependable. In other words, you've got to invest some time in them. Uh, you, 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 you can't text all the time. Maybe you just need to pay a visit. Can we sit down? You know, can, can I be honest with you? This has not been a particularly good week for me. You know what? I'm really beginning to feel a certain kind of way, and I don't like the way I'm feeling. Been feeling that way for a while now. Depression seems to be slowly creeping in. Can I share with you what I'm going through? Do you have any people in your life who you can slow down enough to do that with? Or are you so busy that you don't have time to be a Luke? Listen, you can't do this thing well by yourself. Become a lousy loner. I need some people in my life who are going to love me and check up on me and care about me. That's our challenge. To not be so busy, but learn to invest in somebody else. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And Proverbs 27, 9 says, A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. So, 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 so here's the point. Um, what are your relationships? Make sure that you invest in those people who love you, who, who, who will do whatever they can to help you. Don't ignore them. Water that relationship. Make that relationship meaningful, even if you have to inconvenience yourself. Secondly, if you don't have a Luke in your life, ask God to raise up someone whom you can have that kind of relationship with that you don't want to do this thing alone. Too much is at stake. Where it says, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? You can lose your soul. I don't know about you, I don't want to lose it. Don't be one of those who just does it by yourself. And then, I, then my real spiritual folk, they tickle me. They say stuff like, well, child, you know, it's just me and Jesus. Really? <laughs> oh, you that holy, huh? You, you Just you and Jesus. Well, pray tell, let me share something with you. Jesus works through people. <laughs> yeah, you so holy. Yeah, just, child, just me and Jesus. Yeah, that's fine. But you start catching some hell, you're going to need more than just me and Jesus. You're going to need somebody to come up alongside of you, put their arm around you, and help shoulder you into that next step that you're trying to take. Just you and Jesus. Even Jesus had friends. Last I checked, it was at least 12 of them. He said, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. 
That's intimate. That's personal. Let me move. Oh, Lord. Um, so listen. Also, um, so, so be mindful of that. So see where your friend, your friend indicator is. Do you have any close people in your life? that you can count on. And if you don't, ask God to raise some up for you. Because you you're tired of trying to do this thing by yourself and feeling the way you feel. I tell you what, one way to start it is to get a prayer partner. I don't know why we don't talk about that more. Somehow we missed the, the point that you need somebody in your life to help pray you through stuff. And the more you spend time with that person, the more you inevitably develop a bond and connection because they're praying for you and interceding for you. They're helping you. You're doing life together. And one of the tragedies that we've had since COVID, pastors across the country seem to all be saying the same thing. The folks no longer want to be discipled together. Ain't trying to be together no more. So relationships suffer. Number two, number two, what I'm going to look at. Um, choose not to hold a grudge. Handling life better, handling life well, means that you got to be careful when you start holding anger and bitterness and ought against something someone has said, done to you. All right, I'll prove it. Um, Alexander, in verse 14, the coppersmith, did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his words. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me or forsook me. May it not be charged, I love this, against them. You see that? Y'all treated me wrong. And, and, and we get an idea of what Alexander the coppersmith did because it's right there in the text. He says, he spoke against me. He spoke against the gospel. He spoke against the word of God. He was not a friend to Jesus. So, so Paul says, I ain't putting my hand on him. As a matter of fact, I'm telling on you. I'm going to tell the Lord what you did. And I'm going to let him chasing you. I don't got to cuss you out. I ain't got to fuss. I ain't got to track you down. I'm just turning him over to you. Every now and then when folks offend you, mistreat you, Jesus, I'm your child. You see how they treating me? Thank you. And he can do a much better job of getting the hellhounds off of you than you can. You ain't got to go through all that heartache, trouble, and pain. I'm just going to tell Jesus on you. And I'm going to let him handle you. And he can do a lot better than I can. Because you'll be catching all that stuff, and I'm just sitting back saying, see, when you touch his children, you're putting yourself at risk. But go ahead. Go ahead. Do that. Yeah, learn, learn to let it go and tell Jesus what, what, what they're, they're doing. And, and I love the way that he was able to practice forgiveness. You see what he says? May it not be charged against them. That sounds like forgiveness to me. That sounds like someone who's decided that they're not going to hold a grudge or try to get even with someone for what they have done. That word forgive in the original means to send away. What an interesting concept. Forgiveness. I'm going to send away 
the hurt. I'm going to send away the pain. I'm going to send away the disappointment. I'm going to send away the frustration. I'm going to send it away, and I'm not going to hold on to it. Because the more we let folks control our emotions because we hold on to stuff, it impacts us more than them. They don't even know you upset. They look, they going about their business and you sitting there stewing, bad, walking the other way because you don't want to see. What? Learn, beloved, to let it go. A lot of us can't, we're not handling hard better because we haven't learned to forgive. That spirit of unforgiveness does more harm to us than we realize. You can't sleep, you're not eating. Well, I'm going to eat, but... You, you, you can't sleep. You, you know, it, it, it messes with you. And you allow it. Let me tell you something else it does. It interferes with the flow of fellowship between you and him. Hear me. You all mad and bothered and hot, not forgiven, unforgiving spirit. He says in Matthew, who's in Mark 11, he says, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will I forgive you of your trespasses. In other words, don't look for your prayers to be answered while you holding on to that spirit of forgiveness. So you wondering why the Lord's hand is not moving in your favor? Well, part of it is it's self-inflicted wounds. You haven't decided that you're going to forgive. So as long as you carry aught in your heart, you praying, and it's not going no higher than the ceiling because he's not going to respond to your plea with that stinky, messed up, unforgiving heart. So until you get your heart right, you might as well just close your little Bible and go ahead and stew. And, and once you get over it, then maybe you can have a conversation with him and then communication will be restored. It messes with our fellowship, unforgiveness. So here's the thing. Make it a habit, practice if you will. The whole idea of learning to push it away. You'll feel better. You'll sleep better. I mean, it's just so many pluses to learning to forgive folks when you are offended. Someone writer said, forgiveness is the ultimate weight loss. And it is. It's the ultimate weight. You, you get all of that off of you when you learn to simply forgive. And Ephesians, I love what he says. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has also forgiven you. Forgive because Jesus is still forgiving you and your messed up self. He's still forgiving us. So how can I not forgive? And, and listen, it doesn't mean that we're not hurt. That they, no, all, what they did was wrong. No one's not saying deny what happened. Of course, but I'm just not going to own it. I'm just not going to hold it. That's all. Yeah, it was messed up. Shouldn't have happened, but it did. So now I'm going to move and push past that, and I'm going to forgive. He says something else here, and I'll be out of your way. He says, um, 
There's one other way that we can handle hard better. And he says in verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Now, I almost couldn't, it messed me up. I'm learning now that if I don't get excited as I prepare, then clearly this is not what I'm supposed to be trying to preach. <laughs> because if I don't get excited while I'm going through it, in other words, I start shouting for y'all before I get here. Um, he says, look what he says. And this is where I get stuck at. He said, but, conjunction, the Lord. So he's saying, everything that happened before I say, but the Lord, how I had to fight a good fight, how I had to endure affliction, all of that, he's now saying, but the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any but the Lord testimonies? <laughs> Some of you don't. God bless you. That's a wonderful place to be. But keep living, sweetheart, because uh, you're going to have a but the Lord. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You, you're going to have it. You know, you're sitting there prim, proper, everything fine. But you're going to catch a little something, and you're going to step back and say, but the Lord. Because if man would have had his way, I would have been wiped out. Um, I got the report from the doctor, and things were looking bad, but the Lord. I got the pink slip, and, and, and they said I was going to have to be laid off, but, but the Lord opened the, the door before I even had to start looking. Um, the addiction had me. It wouldn't let me go, but the Lord. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, all of us should have a but the Lord testimony. That, that statement occurs 30 times in Scripture. I mean, well, well, let me help you, because when I saw some of it, I, in Psalm 32, 10, many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Psalm 34, 19, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Psalm 4, 94 and 22, but the Lord has become my fortress and my God, the rock in whom I have refuge, but the Lord. That's, 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 that's amazing. And, and then he says, it gets better. He says, but the Lord stood with me. That word stood uh, alongside, with, ready to assist or aid. The Lord stood with me. All right, see, some, okay. Um, it speaks to God's faithfulness. When we start talking about but the Lord. Okay, Paul, Paul remember who we're talking about. He's had all kinds of challenges in his life. But the Lord strengthened him. It was but the Lord. It was the Lord who stood with him. He says, and, and uh, actually it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He talks about how he had to go through, uh, he, he spent the night in the deep, but the Lord stood with him then, and, and how he had to 
he was chased out of town. They wanted to stone him. He goes through a whole litany of things that he had to encounter, but the Lord stood with him every time he found himself in some kind of predicament that it looked like he was not going to get out. But the Lord stood with him. And beloved, all I'm trying to say is this. As you find yourself handling hard better, always understand that the Lord stands with you. It doesn't make any difference how bad what you do is. He's going to be with you. He's going to be there. He will not abandon. He will not leave you. He wants you to know that I'm not going to fail you. I am faithful. You can depend on me. You can trust me. I will be with you. I will never fail you. That's good news. And that's good news that we can all hold on to. And then, then he says uh, that the Lord not only stood with me, it gets better. Then he says, the Lord strengthened me. Now, it's one thing for him to stand with you. But I love it because he doesn't just stand. He's not some kind of quiet observer watching. No, he, he does more than that. It says that he is the one who strengthens me. Uh, that word strengthen means to endue with strength, to, to, to suggesting strength and soul and purpose. It's like when Paul says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And let me tell you why he strengthened him, because Paul had a mission. The Bible tells us that he now was going to preach to the Gentiles. God was giving him strength so that he would be able to do and complete the task and mission that he had been assigned. He had a purpose and a plan, so he gave him strength that he might be able to fulfill what he was going to do. He was going to preach the gospel, get lost Gentiles saved. And the Lord gave him strength that he might be able to do just that. The God stands ready to give us strength to complete the task and assignment that he has, the call that he places on our lives. In other words, you got to take a step. And as you take a step, somehow strength, and I can't explain it, all I know is that the word is true. Because the text does not say how the Lord appeared to them and strengthened him. We don't know. But we do know that the Lord showed up in some way. And he was strengthened. And we all need to be strengthened daily. But we have something to do. We need to do our part. And that is, I got to take a step. And as I take a step, he, found, he, 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 he strengthens me. I, I wish I could explain it. All I know is that the Lord is just mysterious like that. You, you take a step, and next thing you know, you got more strength and strength and strength to do what you have to do. Okay, um, Elizabeth Elliot, Christian writer, her husband Jim died in the 1950s along with four other men in Ecuador. He was a, a missionary. Uh, and, and he and these brothers, were, they were trying to reach out to the folks, translate the Bible, and all five of them were killed. His wife uh, decides to pick up the mantle and, and continue where he left off. 
She went to the same tribe that had killed her husband to now begin to minister unto them. In one of her books, she talks about how she had to learn to accept what had happened and how she didn't become bitter and angry. But and she said something interesting. She said, I, I learned to take the next step. She says in England, on one of the coastal, uh, on the coast of England, there's a parsonage. And on the wall of the parsonage, it simply says, do the next thing. She said, that has become my mantra for everything, every great challenge that I face, I have learned that if I simply do the next thing, God will give me strength to do whatever it is that I have to do. All I'm suggesting to you is this, that when you find yourself dealing with a hard spot, just keep on doing the next thing, and keep on doing the next thing, and keep on doing the next thing, and finding God giving you strength, strength, strength to handle whatever it is that you have to face. Amen. Keep doing the next thing and disappoint the devil because he does not want you to do the next thing. He wants you to stop and get stuck. But you know better than that because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's what makes the difference. Keep doing the next thing. Remind yourself of that when you're facing a hard time. Yeah, it's looking pretty bad right now, but you know what? It's time to step up and do the next thing. That's right. Brush it off and step up and keep going. Do the next thing. Oh, gotta go. Um, um, always hold on to what you know about God. John Bailey uh, says something is very interesting. He said, don't forget in the darkness what God has taught you in the light. He's taught you in the light that he is a sovereign God. He's taught you in the light that he can do anything but fail. He taught you in the light that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's taught you in the light that the dust are the clouds of his feet. He taught you in the light that he walks upon the wings of the wind. He's taught you all of that in the light. So hold on to what you've learned in the light so when darkness comes, you'll know what to do. I'm going to trust and never doubt. He will surely bring me out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. I learned that in the light. I learned in the light. That if this earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building not made by hands, but eternal in the heavens. I've learned that in the light. I've learned in the light that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I learned that in the light. Hold on to what you've learned in the light. And when the enemy comes after you, what you do is this. Use the word of God as your weapon. Fall back on the promises of God when you find yourself dealing with a hard, difficult task. That the word, plant the word of God in your heart, in your mind, so that as you face different challenges, the promises of God will sustain you. I'm, I'm finished, but, but here's the thing. Stay close 
to your trusted friends. Really practice forgiveness. And remember, God stands with you and strengthens you and allows us to be able to handle hard well. But you will never handle hard well if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sin, that means you are lost and you're on your way to hell. You may be nice, cute, handsome, uh, all of that, but if you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sin, you're lost. This is too important to play with. Your eternal destiny is at stake. And if you're here and you can never remember a time in your life when you knowingly and willingly confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he's available to you. He's not impressed with your academic pedigree. He's not impressed with your zip code. He's not impressed with your position or title at work. What he wants to know is what are you doing with his son? That's all he wants to know. What did you do with him? Who did you tell about him? Who did you witness to? Did you serve him? I gave you 60, 70 good years of good health. What did you do with my son? Were you busy doing his bidding? Did you do anything on his behalf? Um, confessing Jesus as Savior is the starting point. I've been married 42 years. On June 20th, we got married. That was the day we got married. But what I've noticed is after 42 years, it didn't just all end the day I said I do. No, no, baby, that, that, it was just starting. It, it was a long, long time over the years. That's how it is with Christ. You start when you give him your hand and your heart, and then you just start walking with him each day. You just keep walking with him and walking with him. As you get saved, you, you can, you're starting your walk. Salvation says, I'm starting my walk with Jesus. And I'll finish it when I look in those eyes, those nail-scarred hands, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. But you walk with him, and you just keep walking with him. You fall, yes. Mess up, yes. Sin, yes. All of that. But you keep walking with him. And he keeps loving you. So as we stand, if you're, if you're come on, y'all, get up. Let's stand. Um, I know I made it. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to be standing right here and, 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 and the elders or others who will come and, and will love to share with you God's plan of salvation. The good thing that Jesus will take you as is. You don't have to try to save yourself. You don't have to clean anything up, all that. No, no, you, you can't. Because if you could have cleaned yourself up, you would have did it a long time ago. So you can't do it yourself. But it's, it's, it's saying, Lord, I'm coming to you, my jacked up, addicted, whatever self, and I'm trusting you to do with me what only you can do. If you know Jesus and the free pardon of your sin, let's just give him a hand. Amen. But if you don't know him, we'll be standing right here, ready to talk to you. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the all-wise God, our Father, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, 
both now and forevermore. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Amen.